Before we start, just to let you know that you can find out more about today's episode and guests by visiting the show website at leadersofconsulting.com. And with that said, let's introduce our next guest. So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with experts in the trenches at the forefront of consulting, sharing their own perspective, tips and resources they picked up along the way for your benefit. On this episode, we're joined by Lana Kitcher, who is the founder of LK Consultants, who help busy business owners and professionals alleviate stress and create time and space to do more of what they love. So Lana, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Jonathan. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. And uh, I should add a little disclaimer that uh, I we know each other from a business book club, which you did a fantastic job of facilitating. And I still refer back to the list of books that you put together and you covered during the time uh, that you ran that that book club. So yeah, congrats on that. That was a job very well done. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're still utilizing some of those resources today. Absolutely. Yes, it was, it was a fantastic reading list. So Lana, why didn't you kick us off with a go-to strategy or, or something that you think that other consultants out there should be thinking about that maybe they're not aware of themselves already? It's funny you should mention book club first, because that's actually what I'm going to mention here. And it doesn't have to be a book club, but I do think that something that's really underutilized is reading, and especially reading from different areas outside of one's expertise. So if you're a consultant, maybe reading books that maybe are are business focused, but not specifically about consulting, it could be marketing, it could be coaching, it could be finance. I just think that getting different perspectives from all these different authors, at least for me, has been extremely helpful in running my own business, but it's also been extremely helpful in helping all of the clients that I get to work with because every client, although some problems can be seen across the board, they all have you know unique situations. And so I have a wide variety of now knowledge that I can bring to every job. And then to sort of add on to the the business reading, I think that reading the books by yourself, but then finding a group of people to discuss the books with is the second half of what I think is really powerful about doing the reading in the first place. Because when you're reading it by yourself, maybe you're glossing over sections that aren't as interesting, or you are only looking at it from your lens. But when you talk with individuals who have different experiences, who may have a different point of view or an opinion, you can really get into some great discussions where they bring something to the the front of your attention that you wouldn't have thought about. You get, you know, again, different perspectives. I really valued having that book club, being able to read things I didn't know anything about, and then talk to other individuals who, again, had different experience that could bring a lot of new insight to my work and what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I, uh, I always struggle with is finding the carving out the time to actually do the reading. And actually something I, I've started doing recently, even though I'm in podcasting, inevitably I have loads of podcasts to listen to, I've actually started prioritizing listening to audiobooks first because I also find that I tend to have more listening time than I do necessarily reading time. But I'm curious if there are any other ways that you found to effective ways of, of fitting in that reading time and doing the reading that needs to be done. I agree uh, wholeheartedly about the audiobooks. Obviously, Amazon is a leader in audiobooks, but I've also discovered Libro FM, Libro.fm, um, which is sort of an independent audiobook seller, and I've started listening to them. But yeah, if you have... so. 
right now, a lot of us are working from home, but if you have some time to build in a walk during your day, you could do you could combine exercise with this reading habit or routine. If you have a commute, that's a really great time to listen on the train or in your driving commute. And then I think it's just about being intentional. So I do prefer a physical book because I like to take notes. I like to highlight. And I used to, in my past life, have a full-time job where I would commute and it was about an hour a day. And I would make the time, obviously, during that commute to read. And now that I don't have a commute, I think it's just, again, about making the time. So if it's something that you'd really like to do, figure out where in the day it makes the most sense for you to do it. Maybe it's 10 minutes a day while you're drinking your cup of coffee, or maybe it's 10 minutes a day before you fall asleep, whatever window, even just that having that 10 minutes can add up and you can probably get through a book a week seems ambitious, but, um, and you don't, you don't have to read a book every week or a book every month, just kind of keep on top of, you know, these different topics that you're interested in and a little bit at a time goes a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the other things I, I started doing is having all the modalities as well. So I'd have like the paperback, I'd have the, the ebook, I'd have the Kindle version, I'd have the audiobook. Uh, so depending, you know, what, what situation, if I was in the subway, I might be reading the, you know, the digital version and so on. Um, so I found that really helpful. And on the topic of books, I do have to ask you, apologies if this is a difficult one, but which do you have a favorite go-to book that you recommend to people? I do. I think Atomic Habits is probably the book that I've recommended the most. It's really easy to digest. It's really easy to immediately start taking action on. And because I'm in productivity and efficiency, habit formation, building routines is a huge part of that. So I think that he's just really put together the essentials of that field in a really digestible way. Um, but another book that I just read, which is not shifting, but a huge part of productivity too, is being able to trim. You have to be choosy in what you do. You can't do everything and you can't do it all at the same time. So it's called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman is a recent read that has really um, been very powerful. And I recommend that. And Essentialism by Bre by Greg McCown. If your readers are looking for it, those are sort of the trifecta of what I've recently considered like really important reads. <laughs> yeah. And and coming from someone who works in the area of productivity and uh, efficiency, you know, those those are definitely some uh, some useful recommendations for sure. And switching gears more into kind of the, the work that you do, can you tell me more about the typical clients that you work with, uh, the kind of problems that you help them with? Sure. So my client is usually a solo founder or a solopreneur. It means that they uh, they have built the business by themselves. They're usually working in a vacuum by themselves. Maybe they they don't. People I work with don't tend to have employees, but they do have contractors. Um, they have clients. They're usually in service based business, and the challenges that they face are trying to run a business by themselves. So maybe they've come out of a corporate situation. Maybe they maybe this is their first business, but not having deadlines you know, imposed by anyone else and not having goals imposed by anyone else that they have to reach. They have to make all these decisions and they have to come up with all the timelines on their own. And so figuring out one, who do they talk to, to just bounce ideas off of, um, they can't necessarily talk to family members or spouses. They can, but the, those people are only so involved and they only have so much that they can assist with those decisions. And also they may be too closely connected to the outcomes to be impartial and give um, sound advice, or maybe they don't know what types of questions to ask, or maybe they're just tired of hearing about the same thing over and over again. So these solopreneurs and founders, they need someone that's outside of themselves, outside of their family, that isn't a direct report 
to have these high level business conversations with. And so we can often work together to talk about those things, to review what are their goals, which ones are most important, what are their priorities, how they can kind of put together their business, how they can put together their strategy, and then how they can achieve it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, Are there, do you see any uh, common pitfalls when people start tackling the area of productivity and efficiency and they're like, oh, let's put some systems in or, you know, set up some automations here, there. What are some common downsides to that that you, you see people fall into? I think the biggest pitfall is that they want to do more. And so they're saying, oh, I have all these things in my schedule. How can I fit more into my schedule? And what I have to kind of come back and, and um, express is that it isn't about doing more. It's actually about doing less and focusing more energy on those priorities that you want to move forward on first. It's not to say that you can't do those other things ever, but there's a really great visual in essentialism, which I mentioned earlier, that has arrows coming off of a circle. And so in one visual arrows, there's small arrows going in every direction. And that circle is motionless because all of the energy is being put into too many different directions. Then the second visual is the circle with one arrow that is um, longer and pointing in one direction. And so that is the circle that's actually going to be moving forward. So when, when folks come to me, they say, okay, I want to shove more into my day. I usually have to kind of have step back and say, well, which of the ones do you actually want to make progress on? Um, which of them are more important? How can we focus our energies there? Yeah, gotcha. Interesting. And and for someone who maybe is in that position where they're finding themselves you know, completely overwhelmed, they just have no time in the day, got so many things going on. Are there any like very initial steps that you often uh, suggest people take at the very start? Yes, I think slowing down to begin with is really helpful to get clarity on uh, all of us. I think uh, Tim Ferriss calls it monkey brain. All of us have monkey brain and we have all these things going on. So there's something I call um, CEO hour or CEO meeting with yourself that you should schedule maybe once a week where you just sit down, hopefully in a quiet place. It can be at a coffee shop. It can be somewhere that's sort of special and you just go ideally tech-free, you could go with a notebook, but some way to organize your thoughts, get it, get it out on paper. Maybe it's a diagram, maybe it's just a journaling, maybe it's a conversation with someone. It's just, you have to get that monkey brain kind of out. And then once you see it out, you can start to organize it and then put pieces together where you see maybe common threads or you see, okay, I have all these things on my mind, but really I've decided that this item one, two, three is where I really want to make make time and, and focus here. So those items either need to be delegated, they need to be postponed. And I think that practice and having that practice regularly is really helpful for so people really just they usually want to jump in like, okay, I have so many things to do, just jump in and start checking off the list. But when you do that, you tend to focus on things that are quickly achievable, but didn't actually really need to be done in the first place. So you kind of have to take that moment to, to stop, to still your mind to maybe meditation is another way to help do this, which again, people are like, I don't have time to meditate, but there's a famous quote, can't remember who it is, but if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, then you should be meditating for an hour. Some, you know, that's sort of the, the belief that it really, if you slow down first, you'll actually be able to make more progress in the future because you've decided more intentionally, which of those things to be working on. I suppose an, an alternative for people who are like, I don't have any time for meditation is take Good shower, like long showers or everyone has to shower, right? And that's where most of the clarity comes usually, the mental clarity. True. And I think it's because you finally are unplugged from everything. There's yeah. no input. 
unless you're listening to a podcast or something in the shower, but usually there's no input. And so your mind actually has space to think and to process and to, to gain that clarity. People always say they have the best ideas in the shower. And I think that's part of why. Yeah. And I, something I've noticed you, you speak about is the, the idea of unplugging and, and kind of removing yourself from the life cord of, of digital tools. Go away to the cabin in the woods or something like that. But if you're to just take some sort of like mini break, do you have any kind of uh, suggestions for, for people who are looking to just do a bit of disconnecting? But Absolutely. Actually, I think this one has been really helpful for me and is really simple. There's a fabric holder that has just like little slots in it and we hang it on our wall by the front door and there's two little slots. It's just me and my husband have phones. So when we're home and we're trying to make intentional time together, the phones go in that, in that slot. So we're not carrying them around the house. You can put them on sound if you're afraid that you might miss something that's an emergency, but you can also just put them on silent. Um, And then when we're using our phones, we have to go to that location and then use it standing there. So it's it's kind of like an awkward place to just be standing for a long time. It also um, encourages you not to pick it up during conversation to look something up, or that's kind of one of our ha- our bad habits that we've identified is we're having a conversation, we look something up, and all of a sudden, like New York Times is open or Instagram is open, and we're like, how did this happen? So just having a location where you put your phone and it's away from where you are. I think has been a really a huge help. And then being intentional about what times either during the day or during the week, is it like a night thing that you put it in that holder? Is it a weekend thing? Is it just one hour designated in the day where you want to have family time, no phones? So I know that there's other tricks like turning it off, locking it in a drawer. There's all sorts of things. People are always nervous to go too extreme. So this is just a really um, a less extreme version of those strategies that has really been helpful for us. Yeah, I love that. I've also heard of people sometimes putting their phone in a safe and locking away the safe. That's, that's I would call that extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that though. And, and one of the things you mentioned earlier uh, was around, you know, a lot of solopreneurs, they don't, they basically have to self-manage, right? They don't have bosses and they kind of have to create deadlines for themselves. One thing I, I find myself doing is sometimes, you know, I'll have a little bit of time in the morning, you know, before my wife gets ready, and I use that as a deadline. And it's a somewhat of an artificial deadline, but I, it sometimes forces me to do some of my best work. And that's also when my energy is the highest. I'm curious, if there are there any other forcing functions that you found have come into play in the work that you do with, you know, with your clients like that? I do think that having other people hold you accountable, even in really um, indirect ways, is a huge way or is a huge help for the folks that I've worked with. So you've used two strategies in what you mentioned. One is just limiting your time. We tend to allow the thing that we're trying to do to take up however much space we give it. And so you can sort of hyper-focus in that short time. But then also your wife being done getting ready is sort of your deadline. And it is dependent on her kind of then joining your day and whatever routines you have together. So clients like to have our calls as sort of accountability sessions. So, you know, they don't really want to come to our call and have disappointed me that they didn't get that thing done. So that that's one way to utilize someone for these deadlines. But also if you maybe hire someone else to help you move forward on a goal. So if, if, if your goal is to say, build a podcast in your example, if you have guests on your podcast and you schedule a date with that guest, 
then you're very unlikely to skip that date where you've planned to record with that person. So that's a really tangible deadline. And then you could hire an audio producer and you could hire an editor. And once you've got these other people um, sort of involved in your project, you're going to owe them things by a certain date. And so that is one really helpful strategy um, that people have used to, to help get their goals in motion. And again, that person isn't specifically saying, I'm your accountability buddy, but by having them involved is... Um, is one way to get it going. Yeah, that's great. Another interesting one I've heard is where people set a deadline for something. If they don't achieve their goal by then, they'll have a system in place that means they have to donate money to a cause which they're completely against. <laughs> like, you know, donating money to a pro-guns lobby group or something terrible like that. That's a good incentive to actually get your your mission accomplished. It definitely is. And people are, there There are apps and, and websites built specifically for that. And you actually have to prepay in some of the cases, and then it, it will deduct it on a certain date if you haven't accomplished your goal. Another way is to have a, a friend or somebody that you know that will take $100 from you or some some like really painful amount of money because you're the fear of losing that money, not fear, but unpleasantness of losing that money is a really powerful motivator for some. So that can definitely be another strategy to utilize. I don't know. I've also used just incentives. So if I do something you know, every day for a certain number of days, I can buy myself something that I've been looking forward to. And I did that once and it was, re- it was my, my new computer. I was like, I don't need a new computer, but I really want a new computer. And I really want to do a writing practice. So I made myself 30 days in a row, check off every single day that I wrote. Um, there was one day it was late and I just wasn't really feeling it. And I was like, if I don't write today, I don't get my computer and I only have 15 more days to do it. And that was really good motivation for me as well. So it can depend on the person and what what really inspires or motivates them, but it also can depend on the situation. So if there's something that's high stakes, low stakes, you might want to vary whatever your, um, if it's a incentive or if it's accountability, if it's the negative feelings of losing money to an organization that you're not in favor of, all of these strategies can be used in different situations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something I want to ask you about, Lana, as we were just mentioning causes earlier on something you uh you mentioned which i had to follow up on was you said you're an eco freak i didn't realize that can you tell me more about do you mean by eco freak do you mean uh someone who you know is against using so much plastic that we use or 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 is it something else or yeah you're right it's about all all things environmental related. Um, I now have a child and I have to, I mean, obviously we should all be thinking about the future, but it's really front and center because I'm thinking about what the planet's going to be like for her and and beyond her. And I'm just really adamant about doing the best that we can to make the world habitable for all of us now and in the future. So I'm, I'm very interested in, um, like you mentioned, going plastic free and very interested in the carbon capture, be it planting trees or trying to capture carbon that's being uh, emitted now, solar, uh, alternative energies, like that just everything eco-related I'm trying to get more involved in and also just more vocal about about how we as individuals can make a difference in our daily lives and also what we need to be doing to help governments make policies that are going to help us um, live a sustainable future. Yeah, it's interesting. I sometimes think to myself, you know, if I was to start my career over again, or if I was to pivot into a new area, it would probably be something like climate tech. Not only is it because it's something that I could get behind a mission, you know, in that in that area, but it's also a massive growth area as well. It's only going to become a bigger topic for the, you know, the whole of humanity. 
Well, I might even encourage you, even if you're not sure you want to pivot 100%, but dabble in that area and see what you might come up with and what other partnerships you can create. You never know what it could lead to. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think Climate Tech Week is coming up in uh, in New York as well. So that's something well, I'm going to be. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Lana, this has been a great conversation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased to finally have you on the show. For listeners who want to find out more about the work you do and connect with you online, where's the, where's the best place for them to go? I think the best place would be my website, which is Lana Kitcher, L-A-N-A-K-I-T-C-H-E-R.com. And from there, if they're more of an Instagram person, they could find my link to Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, I have a couple of freebies for, I have a CEO checklist freebie and then an unplug live slow freebie if they're interested in those things. And I'm happy to continue the conversation if they have any questions or wanted to do um, a 30 minute, just, you know, ping ideas, co-founder call kind of conversation. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks for that, Lana. Great to have you on the show and we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much, Jonathan. All right. Cheers. If you're looking for a better way to connect with and build relationships with high ticket consulting clients, consider launching an interview podcast and invite your ideal clients to be guests on the show. You can find out more by listening in to our other podcast, appropriately named Podcasting for Consultants. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Alternatively, head on over to our website at podcastingforconsultants.net.